Now, here's your host of Sound Off, Brad Bennett. Well, 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 folks, uh, as you know, today is the uh, last Wednesday of the month. And what happens on the last Wednesday of the month? We have visitors come into the studio. Peter Woods and the fine folks from the uh, Minnesota logging and trucking industry. And uh, Peter, uh, this is a this is a big, big news, uh, news program, news morning uh, we have been waiting patiently for the release of President Trump's transcripts of his uh, discussion with the Ukrainian president, and it has just been released. And I have in my hot little hands some of the information, so uh, I'm going to be maybe cruising through some of that as we're having our little discussion here, so I'm updated with that. But you have a guest with you from McGregor, Minnesota. Do you want to introduce your guest? Yes. Uh, thanks for tuning in again there, folks. Thanks, Brad, for letting us come in. But it's uh, Jerry and Eileen Domingue. They're out of the McGregor area. They're third-generation loggers, sawmill, that kind of stuff from a very good area yep. in the state. And he's been in it his whole life. And Jerry was willing to come in with his wife to talk about the timber industry from his standpoint. Uh, folks out there listening, um, I always like to give a little bit of another snapshot of what it's like to be in the timber industry. So you get a little another view, another view, another view. So you get a good idea what really it's really like. And when they were willing to come in, I thought that was fantastic. And Jerry, you've been in uh, blogging since what, single digit age or so, would you say? Yes, I uh, started going to the woods with my dad and helping in the woods. That's probably eight years old, and we started peeling popple, taking the bark off the popple trees, and I, um, I had a hard time when I had to start school. I was five years old, and I'd lived in a log truck, spent most of my time in Cloquet, and I didn't know why I had to go to school in uh, McGregor, <laughs> so I had to ride back and forth to Cloquet a couple, three times every day, and so I guess that's where it started. <laughs> Uh, well, Jerry, I uh, Jerry, I have this vision of logging in and around the McGregor areas being a, in a lot of peat swamps. Do you have a lot of those out there, or are there are there a lot of lot of areas of standing trees too that are great for logging? There, there's both. It's um, it's pretty challenging. Uh, we don't have a lot of what you'd consider real high land. Uh, there are areas that are high, but most of them have hardwoods in them. Uh, most of your aspen and spruce or balsam is, of course, in the in the lowland swamps, and and we wait uh, in the winter when it freezes, and we uh, head across the swamps or start freezing oh, them yeah. down, and uh, come across there with hundred thousand pound loads across that ice. So <laughs> you know, sometimes it doesn't work the best. It can be a bit interesting, can it be out there, Jerry? Yes, it's. Uh, I always like to tell a story about uh, when my youngest son was with me, and we had two trucks back to back going in a swamp, and uh, uh, it was look. I didn't like the road. Uh, a different fellow had built the road, and we were just we do a lot of custom hauling, and so we got loaded up, and we were coming out with both trucks, and I told my son, I says, "You watch." Uh, you watch them spruce trees, and if the snow starts shaking off them, you holler at me. 
and uh, we're watching, and I seen some snow falling, and I didn't like it. And pretty soon, my son says, uh, oh, Dad, look at your trailer. And I look in the mirror, and the truck starts to slide backwards, and uh, we pull pup trailers. And, uh, oh, boy. The trailer fell through the swamp, rolled over, broke the hitch off, dumped the load off, pulled the truck two-thirds of the way back into the swamp. All that was on ice was the front tires, and uh, we had a quite a day. And I'll bet you did. Now, uh, were you were you able to get the trailer out of there later, Jerry, or did it become a victim of the swamp? <laughs> no, it. Uh, I crawled up on the loader and unloaded the truck very carefully, and the fellow come with a big skitter and hooked on the front, and he was... The logger was very nervous, and it didn't work sure. well. It didn't work well for him, and so I took the skidder and backed it up against a big tamarack tree. And I told my son he was, like I say, fourteen, fifteen, and I said we hooked it up. And I told him you, you pull and don't quit pulling until the either the tree or cable breaks or the truck comes out. And uh, it come out, and then I maneuvered wow. on the swamp and got the wood out of the water and. Got my trailer picked up with my loader and cabled it up, and we got it out of there and took it home that night. So, yeah. But one of so those. this is just uh, this is just one of those, uh, I guess, negative sidelights to to logging in that area. That you really got to make sure that the swamps are completely frozen enough that you can drive on them. And but but you get to some of the finer wood during that period of time when you can get out there and do that, don't you? Yes, that's what that's what you have to do, uh, and most a lot of the sales in our area are restricted. We can only log in there from, uh, say, the first of December to the fifteenth of March. Otherwise, they won't let us on the land and won't let us uh, because of rutting and stuff. So we're limited to our times when we can go in there. But we we'll start freezing them roads down. The loggers will, uh, you know, first part of December. If not, sometimes in November, first part of November, if it's cold enough, you know. But uh, so that's what it takes to get into where we have to go. Sometimes they're quite long them roads. The swamps, you know, like Jerry's talking about, when you when you, when you get stuck in a swamp like that, okay, folks, it's not like most people uh, when they experience getting stuck in a swamp, they're on a county road, they slide off, or they're they're in a on a paved road. And they can get the record there, hook it up, and the record's on high ground. When this truck went in the swamp, everywhere you look, there's no hard ground. That's why he got the skitter wrapped around the tree, and hopefully the tree holds, because the skitter's not going to pull it on its own. The winch can, but not holding the brakes. So now visualize that. Your trailer is over like a bobber in the water. Your truck is barely (laughs) barely up. And you're you in the middle of logs swamp. floating everywhere. You got logs floating everywhere. That's when you think, boy, this is a great job today. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's you have to work at. It. I mean, that's why I've said in the past, it's not for lighthearted. It's things like this happen. There's days that Jerry doesn't want to go so good and so fun that you just wish it would never end. And then there's days like that where you think, what the heck am I doing out here? Yeah. Yeah, I, but all in all, all in all, Jerry, it's been a pretty good life as a logger for all these years. It it's been it's been all right, you know. I I I wouldn't complain too much. Um, 
some days I do a lot of complaining, but sometimes yeah. I, surround, I surround myself with a, a, quite a few loggers and different people. And uh, I have two things I always tell them. I tell my truck drivers and everyone, if you're in a bad spot and it's muddy and don't look good, don't ever chain your load down till you get to the county road because it's oh, bad yeah. luck. It's a bad omen. Sure. And they laugh at me, but over the years, there's several of them have called me and said, well, I made a mistake. I chained it down. I didn't get out of here, you know, so. Sure. And. So I and, I, and that uh, that that's what happened. Like in that case you were talking about, if you'd have had that load chained to the trailer, you'd have never got it out of there. It would have been just a, like an anchor going down in the swamp. It it could have been yes, and just uh, well, uh, Jerry. Ahead. Let yeah. me let me ask you. Uh, let, let me ask you if, if you can. It, it, thinking back on the many many years you've been logging. Give me maybe the three most difficult things that you've had to deal with. I'm sure maybe one of them would be weather, but uh, uh, what other things are becoming impediment to logging? Is there a fair enough market right now to keep loggers busy? Uh, what are some other things that are, uh, that are difficult for logging industry? Well, at the present time, uh, most of us are struggling with the fact that the mills have all closed and left Minnesota, and and so we're all trying to uh, put our wood to the same. There's only a couple places where, where we can deliver most of this wood, and sure. and it's making it really hard to uh, to be able to move enough timber, and and uh, it it's it, it gets miserable at times. Certain days, it's uh, gets kind of miserable to try to market what you have to sell, and. In the past, there were plenty of mills, and they've all left. So that's one of the difficult things. Jerry, can we talk about that a little bit? And and you too, Peter. Um, What has caused those mills to leave? Is there there foreign competition that's making it difficult for some of these places to keep in existence? There's there's many reasons, Uh, like a few real quick ones, like the Ainsworth plant up at Cook. Okay, that was consuming a fair amount of wood. That was in the building trade, and that hit the brakes in about 2006. The housing market bubble okay. bursted. It was coming on for a while, okay? And when that happened, that mill shut down. It spit and sputtered for a while, on, off, on, off, and then they were done. Well, that started consuming less wood. Okay, that's one. You could go here in Duluth, the Georgia Pacific plant, the old superwood plant. That used to consume chips from the woods. Um, that went down because, what was it? I don't know if it was their efficiencies or problems. I think it was many things. It was a couple of brothers that owned it that are very big in other industries that I can't say, but they're from, I think, Oklahoma. And it was one of those things that it's better off to shut it down than to keep it going attitude. Okay. Sure. Then you had the plant down in Sartell, Verso, which was one of both Jerry and myself, uh, a good, very, very good market. We used to pile up thousands of cords for them. And that plant was struggling for a while. One thing about that plant was its location, okay? On a location, location is so critical to a lot of things. Target your market, where you're going to go with your product, where you're going to get your raw materials. When that plant was built, they were actually making paper from old clothing. So they would 
kind of like rail it out of the cities or whatever, and they'd make it that way. And then later on, they started using wood. Well, they didn't move the plant. It was on the Mississippi River. They didn't move the plant. They kept it there, and but now their raw product is farther away. And when you get farther away, the expense of keeping it going gets more. So your, your, your logistics and everything is kind of hurting you a little bit. Well, that plant ran for quite a while. It was a certain kind of calendar paper, okay? And okay. The, the paper market, in a way, is slowly shriveling up. It's still shriveling more. How many people use their phones today? Computers. Oh, yeah. And then, yeah. you know, the older style, the people are, that are up in age now that still get the paper, they still want the paper, they still want to feel the paper going through their fingers, that kind of stuff. Yep. But a lot of young people, like, I'm going to say... 40, 35, and younger, uh, the chances of them wanting to look through the paper is thinner and thinner. And so what they yeah. do is they go to their phone. Well, that's going to consume less wood as well. Well, Verso sure. down there, they had a ma- they had a, a air compressor explode, caught on fire, and it was on fire for like three days. Okay, the oh plant God. shut down completely. We lost that whole market because it wasn't worth fixing. There's a lot to do with that. But that hurt us greatly. And then over in your way, Jerry, hasn't there been some other places that have shut down that you're more familiar with? That we're build, we're, I'm trying to build a picture here, folks, a little bit to tell you what's going on. Yeah, there was uh, Trust Joyce, uh, McMillan Bodell, a board plant in Deerwood. And uh, that closed in the last, oh, six, seven years. And sure. at one time, uh, Potlatch had a paper mill in Brainerd, and that has been closed for many years. There was, uh, we used to deliver quite a bit of wood to a small paper mill in Little Falls, and that has disappeared, along with um, numerous sawmills across the northern tier of Minnesota. Uh, we We had a... My brother, my dad started the mill years ago, and my brother run it for, after my dad passed away for 20, 25 years, and, and it just wasn't feasible to run it anymore. You, you couldn't make any money, and there's many of those mills that are gone where we could deliver our product to, and so the overall picture of somewhere to go with the, all the wood is uh, diminished greatly, and and we have a plant in McGregor called Savannah Industries, and uh, they're a, kind of a godsend to the area somewhere to take our logs and stuff. So that's a great help to us, and it makes yeah. a big difference. Well, I, I know that uh, for both you guys, I know that uh, the market has been changing, too. Uh, for example, out in West Duluth, the paper mill out there, when that first started on, they uh, they they uh, sold themselves on the idea that high calendar paper was going to be the wave of the future, that they were going to sell all of these high priced uh, uh, like flyers that uh, businesses put out, color glossy flyers and stuff. And for a while that was true, but uh, the industry has changed. Uh, people don't use calendars very much anymore because of computers and 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 uh, cell phones and those kinds of things 
and uh, even flyers now that are put out by stores, a lot of them use email accounts. My wife has got three or four stores that she gets flyers from all the time, and she gets them on her cell phone instead of the old-fashioned way where they would send out a, a circular or whatever that used to come out of some of that paper. So, so some of the plants I know have had to change uh, their operations. Like in Cloquet there, you've got the big big paper mill there actually making clothes fabric and, and yes. fibers, you know. So it is a changing market, isn't it, guys? Yeah, it's it's it, every business is always changing. You have to be able to adapt and adapt fairly fast. But you got to adapt, I think, knowing what's coming down the road. It isn't what's happening today. It's what's going to happen three, four years from now, five years yeah, from now. exactly. And a lot of these, I think a lot of businesses myself used to plan 50 years, 100 years into the future. And now I, when I listen to some businesses talk, they're only planning by the quarter. That's that's not a good way to me to run business. You have to look way into the future to make sure you make those moves proper. As the train goes down the tracks, you're ready to go on the next spur. That will lead you in the right direction. Like the paper mill in Duluth, yes, they did do that. Uh, they're they're trying to work on. I can't speak for more than just what I know a little bit, and that is they're looking at the brown paper end of it. If they can s- switch over to that, which I think is a very good thing. I've said that would be great if you could, because that means more. It would go towards the cardboard industry, and the sure. cardboard industry is well. A lot of people do things online, and how does it come? It comes in a cardboard box, and if we can keep that role, and that's what you need. And I think we'll run out of time before I can explain what we're working on in D.C. I could do that later here in the program yet. Well, let's but. let's do that. Let's hold that for a second. We've got to take a break anyway, guys. So uh, mm-hmm. maybe when we come back from this uh, break, Peter, you can kind of give us an idea of some of the things that it's, that maybe are uh, ahead or what, that you're looking at in, yes. in Washington and in help from politicians and stuff. But I want to just very quickly, uh, as we go to this uh, break, remind our listeners about Copper Touch. It's a product we've been talking about for a number of months now. It's a product that was developed by a lady right here in Minnesota with the help of some scientists from the University of Minnesota. And what it is, is it's uh, like a small bar of soap or like a coin that you can rub between your fingers made out of copper. For about a minute, you rub it between your hands, and it will actually kill off about 94% of the dangerous bacteria that you might have from shaking hands, opening doorknobs, doing whatever you do with your hands all day long. Your hands are going to get bacteria on it. And the only way you used to be able to get rid of them is people would buy these big jugs of hand sanitizers and have them on their desk and in their workstations. And now you can just simply buy one of these little copper touch, have it in your pocket, in your car, in your wife and her purse or whatever. And uh, and it works to kill off the the dangerous bacteria that cause colds and viruses to grow and multiply. Now, there's a couple of three different ways you can order uh, copper touch, this uh, bar of copper soap. One is go to coppertouch.com. That's their website, coppertouch.com, and just pull the order blank down and fill the order blank out. And when you get down to coupon code, simply type in BRAD20, that's BRAD20, and that will give you the best discount you can get on it and shipping free right to your door. Otherwise, you can go to the 1-800 number. They have a 1-800-793-2246, 1-800-793-2246, or... 
If you prefer, if you want to see it, touch it, read the scientific background about how it works, go to Lady O'Collett's Emporium in the Skywalk, uh, right in the Hunter Building. She's on the Skywalk level, and she has a bunch of them right there. She's the first retail location in the Twin Ports that carries it. We'll sell them to you right there on the spot. So anyway, Kenny, we're going to take a break. We'll be back shortly with more Let the Sawdust Fly here on the Wednesday the uh, 25th of September. North Star Services, heating and cooling, plumbing and electrical. Call 218-628-9276. Honest prices, there's no fooling. At North Star Services, we sell the best and fix the rest and offer 24-7 emergency service. Serving the twin ports and surrounding areas since 1999. That's North Star Services. North Star, North Star. North Star Heating and Cooling. North Star. More of Sound Off is on the way. Coming up at 11, it's your daily fix of Rush. 710 and FM 98.1 WDSM. Hey, ball! Minnesota Twins baseball. Now the 2-2 pitch, a swing and a fly ball, left field and deep. Back goes Mancini. Warning track, Mancini at the wall. Looks up, that's gone. Here every Twins game on KDAL. And the 2-2 pitch, a swing and a fly ball, center field deep. Going back, Mercado still going on the track at the wall. That ball's gone. Nelson Cruz. The Twins take on the Detroit Tigers. Here the game tonight. Coverage starts at 5, 610, and FM 103.9. KDAL. By now, you've probably heard it's all okay. In Cloquet, but it gets even better when you shop for your next vehicle at Cloquet Ford Chrysler. For vehicles that fit your family and your budget, shop the locally owned and veteran owned dealership, Cloquet Ford Chrysler, where it's all okay in Cloquet. Your Twin Ports home for Badgers football. Touchdown, Wisconsin. WDSM. Giants Redwood. Lodge. The fur, the mighty Scots pine, the smell of fresh cut timber, the crash of mighty trees. With my best girl by my side, we'd sing, sing, sing. I'm a lumberjack and I'm okay. I sleep all night and I work all day. He's a lumberjack and he's okay. He sleeps all night and he works all day. I cut down trees, I eat my lunch, I go to the laboratory. On Wednesday, I'll go shopping and have buttered scones for tea. Yeah, the laboratory <laughs> might be the most important part of that whole song. I think so, yeah. <laughs> of course, the whole world is a logger's laboratory. Whenever you're working, it doesn't matter where you're at there's lots of room out there that's very true <laughs> but so uh, so peter we were talking a little bit about the changing scope of the logging industry and changing markets and yes and you were mentioning that there's some things going on in uh, in government in washington what we're because, trying because there's still going to be you know there's still going to be people building homes building furniture yes so what's going on um i'd like to back up just a hair here brad a little bit and pay, okay. to get the Everybody thinking how I'm thinking here, so just bear with me just a little bit, folks. Um, like Jerry's family, when they started a sawmill, I do believe, wasn't it, Jerry? And what was the reason and what year roughly? It doesn't have to be exact, but what took place there? Could you explain that just a hair here? Well, I, I, I think my grandfather had a sawmill before I was born, and they just uh, they kind of custom sawed lumber for people in the area. And uh, I suppose to build their homes and what you know whatever they needed sure. sheds or whatever and 
And then later on, he sawed a lot of lumber that went to what was called Conwood in Cloquet, and they used all that for shipping and packaging stuff. And uh, and my grandfather, we used to always have to go help him at the mill, and he sawed a lot of 16 and, you know, 18, 20-foot big pines and different things when I was younger. I mean, this is moving forward 15 years, 20 years, and... And then my dad started his mill on the highway at McGregor, and he he sawed a lot of lumber for the pellet industry, camps and stuff. And uh, his big market was railroad ties. That uh, oh, either sure. Uh, sure, and they went to uh, Burlington Northern or up to the mines, and and the mines took the the lesser quality ties, and they built their rails and stuff to get down in the mines. Uh, and and we he'd saw two three loads of them a day sometimes uh, for the mines and and then as time went on they quit using the ties and uh, they went to all rubber tired machinery so the m- tracks were kind of depleted and gone and and those markets left and uh, it's just the way just things changed and then they. Went into sawing when my brother took it over. He went into sawing a lot of cans and and some grade lumber, and he put in a kiln and and he made flooring and paneling for a while and stuff. And then when the housing market everything collapsed and the paneling business went and just different things went on the wayside, and he closed the mill and he's been working out ever since and. It's just okay. kind of a sad, kind of a sad thing when you drive by there, but that's the way it went. So can't change it. Well, yeah, and 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 we see that even up in the Northland. I think we've, uh, you know, I've, as I've driven around the range over the years, I used to sell for a glass company, and I would see. Uh, I remember there was one guy up on the range that had a pallet uh, business that he made pallets. And he would cut wood, rough rough wood, and make pallets out of it. But over the years, even that has changed, or it became that there were too many of them in the marketplace. He went out of business. Like you say, the flooring industry right now is a big thing. Everybody's putting in wood floors in their homes. But uh, there will become a time when that'll be very difficult. So you really got to stay on top of it, don't you, Jerry and and uh, Pete? You got to you got to constantly adapt and and overcome to find new markets. Yeah, that's that's it's constantly evolving. Like with uh, Jerry's family, when they did the ties for the mines up there, and they all went to rubber with the big production trucks, and they changed. So, well, what happens to the Domingue family then? When you all of a sudden you have this huge market, and it dries up, and so you have yeah. to adapt somewhere. Because if you don't adapt in our industry, there's nobody going to be there with a comfort dog or whatever you want to have or call. You're you're on your own. And if yeah. you talk to any logger out there, they don't want a comfort dog. We don't want a security blanket. We want markets. Yeah. We want to produce you want to be our able product. To work and produce a product and sell that product on e- the market. Yeah. Exactly. And so with when that changed, then they had to look somewhere else. And what what we're trying to do, okay, myself and Scott, um, well, the industry as a whole, it's just that there's only so many people that go to meetings because you can't have a thousand people there because it just wouldn't work. And right. we, we've been working oh, over a year now 
with uh, with a company trying to get them here, and they would come here and build a $100, $130 million plant if we could get a few things done. And it has to start. It doesn't start here. It actually starts in D.C. And uh, there's only, i got to watch how much I say here because I've, I've been entrusted with some information that i got to watch. Okay, folks, so if you could just bear yeah, with me sure. that for more information in the future, I will be definitely telling. It's just that for right now. And our plan is to go to D.C. and talk to the EPA. The holdup right now for this plant is the EPA, actually, emissions. And what is actually considered biomass. And it's in litigations. We're going to be meeting with, uh, um, I forgot her name. I got it here somewhere. Ann Insel from EPA. We have a meeting scheduled. And hopefully we can get through this. Scott, Dane, and myself are going to be going. And we're going to be talking about this along with a couple of officials from that plant that wants to build here. Their name is called Ensign, E-N-S-Y-N. And what they do, folks, is they actually can take wood and whether it, and they can turn it actually into bio-crude. And I thought, is it really truly possible? Can it be done? Toured their plant up in Canada probably... I don't know, two, three months ago or whatever, and I actually saw it. They actually take wood, whether chip form or sawdust, and in their how it works through their plant, they can actually take wood, and it turns into, it looks like about a number three diesel fuel. Uh, i seen a glass really? of it. Yeah, it's, 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 you know how diesel fuel is clear, like your on-road fuel is clear? Right, yeah. This yeah. has got like a discoloration to it. And then you take a whiff of it, and for it, I took a whiff too much, and it was like, holy cow, <laughs> I did that the wrong way. I felt it in my nose for probably about two hours. But it's, it's, it stinks in a little bit, and not in a bad way. It's the potency of it. And you could probably take a glass of this, like a one-quart jar, take a match, put it in there, you know, put it, dump a, douse your match with it, and it probably put the match right out. Well, it's I want hot. to ask you some more about that, Pete, in a minute here, but we've got to take our Fox News break. Okay. Uh, but I want to talk a little bit about the uh, uh, the market for something like that. This sounds like something that might be very, very uh, useful in the future. There's so a we'll lot be of right market. Back with, yeah, we'll, we'll be right back uh, with more uh, Let the Sawdust Fly here on a Wednesday edition of Sound Off. We'll be right back. WDSM AM 710 and FM 98.1. Little woodcutter's ball music for you guys there to come back to. I think it's Woodchopper's Ball there, Brad. Woodchopper's Ball. Woodchopper's Ball. Hey, speaking of that, I got a quick joke for both you and Jerry. Already? So uh, what's the difference between being a lumberjack and other jobs? Uh, I don't know. Well, uh, craziness, I suppose. Lumber, well, <laughs> that may be too, but the answer to this one is... When you're a lumberjack, you get the axe when you're hired instead of when you're fired. 
<laughs> That's pretty good, Brad, actually. Huh? <laughs> that is pretty good. Yeah. We're laughing. All right. Okay. But, uh, so, so, so tell me about this biofuel now. So what you can do is you can, you can take a wood... Uh, you can take wood products. Fiber. Okay. Yep. Yeah, it, and convert it into a fuel. It's actually converted into a fuel. Okay, we did go up there. Scott Dane, myself, and our commissioner from St. Louis County, Keith Nelson, all three of us went up. We toured their factory. We talked to them. We were up there for a whole day to make sure, okay, this is not blowing smoke. These guys are honest and sincere. It is true. They do take wood. I always dreamt of this years ago that could it be possible, yeah. and they actually can do it. And it, it is a num- it's about equal to a number three diesel fuel. Okay, folks, you have number one diesel, which is a lot of times home heating oil. You have number two, which is a little yeah. bit more power for the trucks on the road. And then you got number six that will be used in the ships that go on the Lake Superior that has to be preheated before it can be injected. It's really thick. Okay. This is about equal. It's not exact, but it's probably close to an equal of a number three diesel fuel. All right? And it has a lot of potency, and it is only, it's actually only made from wood. How they're, we've seen how their process is. I signed some papers. I wouldn't say more than what I'm saying right now because I could get sure. in trouble here, okay, folks? So just bear with me in the future. I hope to tell you a lot more, okay? But I can only tell you a little bit. Um, Peter, do, do I, do I uh, visualize this right, that this is something like the corn industry, like, uh, like ethanol, where you would um, take a product like corn and create a, I don't, I don't a burnable think- Ethanol is like gas, and it goes in the cars. This stuff, I do not know. Right now, they have a contract that they could bring to even here in Duluth with the city steam plant. They, I do believe oh, they have okay. a contract where they could start feeding them fuel right away. All right. So it burns fairly clear. Then we're not. We don't have a lot of toxins coming off the product that's being this, burnt. This is green technology. This is as green as you're going to get for green energy. You're using wow. trees that are renewable. The process is very clean. The product, when it's burnt, is very clean. Um, they can use wood chips. They can use saw. They said they could even use sawdust that's fifty years old. Okay. okay. In their process, they can use good quality. They, the biggest enemy they have in their process is dirt. If you scoop up dirt and bring it in on the load, that would be your biggest enemy with them. But okay. it, the system is ready to go. We, they would build one somewhere here in Minnesota and Wisconsin. Why wouldn't they come your way as well if this could take off? I, folks, sure. I visualize this could be across the whole United States, wherever there is timber. Okay, I believe this could be done. Where the holdup really is is interpretation at the EPA level, where yeah. that's what we're going to. This is all another meeting we've got to go to, and hopefully. We can come back with some very good news. What now, would, have you been bouncing uh, some of this off of our congressional uh, people in this district? Have they been able to help you at all? Yes, Congressman Stobbert knows about this. He has worked on it. Uh, even our former Congressman Nolan had, has known about it, and they've made okay. phone calls. We've been working at I guess folks out there, what what would really help, if if I could say it this way, is... We're going to have a meeting next week on Tuesday in D.C. with EPA and Insel. If the listeners out there, I don't know how to really say it other than this, is that it'd be great if we could get some politicians there at this meeting. 
whether and it doesn't matter if it's Wisconsin, Minnesota. You got a couple of great sure. senators in Wisconsin. If they'd be willing to help out, we got senators here in Minnesota, great senators that if they would be willing to help to push this through. Everybody talks about windmills and solar panels. This is something that would help the loggers across Minnesota, Wisconsin, across the whole country. There, this would be Absolutely. unbelievable amount explosion of jobs. It could, it could be. Doesn't mean it will be, but it could be if we could get this thing changed to where, we, basically, if if a person get the ear of the Trump administration and just say, "Listen to us for just ten minutes," that's yep. it. And and think about this, and it it works. It isn't like we're bringing something that's hocus pocus that maybe it work, maybe it won't. It does work, and we're trying to get to where we can get it here. And if we can, it means a lot of jobs, and it can go across. Remember the remember the hurricane down in Florida where it hit that the coast, okay? And oh, yeah. you, you got all this damage to the trees and that, and some of those trees maybe could be cut up and made into saw logs, like for like somebody like Dominguez. A lot of that material is all twisted up and shot. This process, yeah, you can grind it up, for nothing, and it goes into landfills. This process could use it and use it and use it. And there's and the big thing is, I thought, is there going to be a lot of waste? You know, how you get this like pulp or something from it that we're going to have to have landfill after landfill is going to fill up. There's hardly any waste, which is shocking when I saw that. There's yeah. Yeah, there's a, there is a waste. But it looks like ashes from um, wood burning. It's not. It's next to nothing, though. And that could go on farm fields, and the farmers love that stuff. Well, you're yeah. going to, uh, Peter. You're going to keep us abreast on this as it as it progresses. If we get something going on, we'll uh, we'll get it going here, right? I'll definitely let you know and call you <laughs> call you and let you know if we get if something huge takes off uh, next week. Um, I guess what I'm asking the listeners out there, if you could call your representative to encourage them to, to at least look at this, at least think on it. Because um, whether you're, it does, the timber industry doesn't care if there's a state line, really. It, you do care, but you don't. Because the reason I say that is that there's wood goes on both sides. The wood is traveled on both sides, and the loggers are on both sides. And we're consuming wood all the time. And we're trucking wood sure. all the time. This is just another entity. And they don't need beautiful wood to do this. This is the junk wood. And at the EP level, it's just interpretation of the junk wood. That's the holdup. When, when I read it the first time, I thought, what's the problem here? Let's go. And it's that little wording. I, I can't get into more than that because it gets too weedish, I guess you could say. But I don't want to go any farther than that because... <laughs> Yeah, you're giving away the whole I store. I can't go any farther, folks. Could, yeah. I get in trouble here. It's, it's secret, double double secret stuff. Uh, double O, not well, nothing. Listen, <laughs> listen, you guys. Uh, Jerry, thank you so much for uh, joining Peter and coming in this morning. Is it pronounced Jerry Domingue? Yes, yes. Okay, Jerry Domingue. Uh, a logger from out in the McGregor area. Thank you and your wife for coming in. Uh, it's uh, it's interesting to hear how the uh, how the logging industry has has had to stay sharp and had to uh, adapt and kind of mm-hmm. go with the flow to come in and change uh, to stay uh, being able to create the jobs. Right, Pete? Yes, I, I wanted to have Eileen say just a few words. What it's like to be. Sure. 
the wife of a logger from the her. The wife of somebody else. <laughs> the wife of a logger. It's like if she doesn't scream or holler or throw things, I think we'll be all right. <laughs> oh, you know me too well. Oh, good morning. Good morning. Well, I've yeah, been... how is it? Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, how is it uh, uh, being a wife of a logger? I suppose uh, the days get long uh, when, when the when the logging is good, when the uh, when the environment is right. Your husband's got to be out there all the time, and then there are other times. I suppose you see him moping a little bit. He, you got to kind of spiritually get his dauber up uh, to stay focused, right? That's exactly right. Um, I've been married to this logger for it seems like forever. I think it's been close to 100 years. I'm not, maybe not. Um, anyway, there's been good times and bad times. The timber industry has always been very, very good to us. Um, there were the times when Jerry would get up at 4 in the morning and work until 10 at night. And it's it's just been a really good industry for us to be in. I think the wood industry has uh, taught our two boys a good work ethic. They both... One of them works as an, as an engineer. One is is with uh, Fish and Wildlife, and the log. They've been part of the logging industry this entire time, their entire life, and I think it's taught them a very good work ethic. They've known how to work on heavy equipment. They have an appreciation for the environment and the wood industry, and it's just been a very good business to be part of. And I'm very yeah. proud to say I'm a logger's wife. You know, that says a lot right there to be able to say that. Uh, it's put food on your table. It's uh, been able to give you a family, a home to raise kids in, and uh, it's done a lot of good things. And we don't want to see that uh, disappear from our landscape here in Minnesota because logging is such a huge part of what is done in northern Minnesota. Um, Peter, I had one more question for you. Thank you, by the way. That was beautiful. Uh, Peter, I had one more question for you. One of our listeners just chimed in and said, is it potential? Can you talk about whether the potential could be there to do biofuel to adapt to home heating? Or is that not viable? Um, I don't know exactly how to answer it exactly. Um, in my, because I'm not scientifically smart enough on what this, how they could do that product. It, sure. I can tell you this. It can be piped into the pipeline and go as bio-crude. It has a capability of doing that. I think okay. it could be used in something like home heating. I think it could, but you'd probably have to buy a certain type of nozzle gun for spraying it in and not igniting it because of how it is. Sure. I do believe it could. I believe, but I'll ask those guys next week. How's that? Yeah, <laughs> if do it could that. Be. Because, then, because this, this listener said, man, if that could be done, if you could adapt it for home heating, it could be a huge market. Yeah, I don't know how to answer it exactly, but I'm just giving you a quick rundown on what I think could be. Now, they may say no, they may say yes, but there is potential. Yeah. The holdup still, folks, is the EPA. That's where our holdup is. So if you could help out. Talk to your representative say, hey, why can't you help these guys out and see if it can go? Because this could explode across the whole country. It could. Sure. And be All used right. everywhere. But I got one other note to talk to Kenny about really quick, and that is that uh, there's some. he's got a good fan base up in the Palo Markham area, and they're going to have a little uh, festival coming up on October 16th through the 19th. And there's a lady up there by the name of Kelly Pelto that would like to see you come on up there, Kenny, and uh, say hello because they really like to meet you. Can I bring Jan? Uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. Of course. I'm bringing my wife. Bring that and a wallet and a checkbook. Oh, and I see. There's a lot of yeah, things. A lot of things for sale yeah. there. Horse rides, pancakes, all kinds of things. But it's like it's not just an arts and crafts. It's where people bring a lot of. There's some excellent, a lot of excellent stuff. It's Palo Markham is actually where I had a girlfriend from years ago, and that's how I kept in touch Uh-oh. with these people. Yeah, I'm married 27 years. That's why. Yeah, will you be there? I've uh, I know my wife will be there. Okay, okay. <laughs> I'll yeah. see if I'm working or not. But anyway, folks, thanks for listening. Thanks for letting us come on, Brad, and all those listeners out there. If you can help us out, great. But I'm so thankful that you're willing to tune in once a month and listen on the industry. Peter, uh, Peter, I've said it a hundred times, and I mean it. Uh, this show gets a lot of uh, a lot of listeners. Uh, I thought it would be a one or two month deal when we first talked about it years ago. But it turns out a lot of people enjoy listening to what uh, what's happened in the logging industry. So, yep. again, I want to thank you and your guest, Jerry, and his wife for coming in today. Uh, it's the salt of the earth right there that, we're, that we were listening to this morning. So do appreciate it, Brad, very much. Do. Yep. And, and the listeners all. out there, thank you, listeners, greatly. Kenny, we're going to do our Wisconsin news break, and then we'll try to come back and get on task here. We'll be right back. Your Twin Ports home from WDSM. WDSM time 9.56. And Brad, uh, boy, that was quite the uh, hour, uh, no, nearly an hour with Pete Wood. Certainly was. Yeah, Eileen and Jerry uh, Domengi of, uh, uh, that, that's Domengi Trucking and Forest Products out of McGregor. Yeah. All right. Well, it's always fun for me to be able to hear what's happening in the uh, in the market, uh, you know, what's happening with logging and Boy, that's exciting news if they can create a biofuel out of uh, leftover wood products. That could be a whole new market. 